Let's pray as we come to look at this part of the Bible together. Heavenly Father, we know that the disciples of Jesus, although they were praying men, turned to the Lord Jesus and they said to him, teach us to pray. And Lord, thank you this morning that no matter how long we have been a Christian for, no matter how mature we are in our faith, we all can learn to pray better. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that as we look at the words of Jesus, as we hear him teach his disciples how to pray, that you would teach each of us and that we would be encouraged to be people of prayer and learn how better we can do that. Oh, Lord, speak to us this morning, teach us this morning, encourage us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm not a mind reader, you'll be glad to know. That would be very scary if I was. But I know that if I asked you one question, I think I could guess the answer to it. And the question I would ask you is this. If I was to ask you, how is your prayer life? How is your private prayer life? I think I can guess the answer to that. How would you answer? Probably the same as me and probably the same as everybody else. You turn to me and you'd say, well, Marty, it could be better. How's your prayer life this morning? could be better, couldn't it? Maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian, but if I was to ask you about your prayer life and you were to be honest about it, you'd tell me that it doesn't really exist. You, you want to pray, you, you think prayer is a good idea, but the reality is that day to day, you don't really pray. Maybe when you're in trouble, when things are going wrong, you do, but most of the time, prayer's not really on your radar. And so if I was to say to you this morning, how's your prayer life? You could say, well, Marty, it could be better. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and you do pray. Well, you go to pray. You make time to pray. You, you set aside time and you go to speak to God, but you just don't know what to say. It's like whenever you go to pray, you're just lost for words. And so if I was to say to you this morning, how's your prayer life? You could turn to me and say, well, Marty, it could be better. Maybe you're here this morning, though, and, and you do pray. Maybe this morning, whenever it comes to praying, you, you do know how to speak to God. And in fact, whenever you pray, you like praying. You enjoy it. You're, you're glad you did it. You feel like you really did talk to God, and it's a good thing. But you'd say to me, Marty, I've, I've no habit of prayer. Maybe you're here this morning, and you like to pray. You know what to pray, but you just don't have a habit of it. Your prayer life is sporadic. Now and again you pray, but you don't have a habit. And so you'd say to me, well, Marty, my prayer life, it could be better. But maybe this morning, you do know how to pray. Maybe whenever it comes to talking to God, you, you do know what to say and, and you can talk to him. Maybe this morning you even do that regularly. And you have this lovely habit of prayer. Maybe you pray every day. Maybe you pray a number of times a week. Maybe you have a schedule of what you pray for at different times. But if I was to probe you, you might say, but Marty, I do pray, but it's a real drag. Marty, I do pray, but I feel like it's such a duty. It's, it's not a delight. Marty, I used to love praying, where now I just have to drag myself to do it. And so you'd say to me, Marty, my prayer life, it could be better. And maybe this morning as you sit here, there's different reasons why your prayer life could be better. 
But my guess is that all of us sitting here this morning, including the preacher, if I was to ask you, how's your prayer life? My guess is the answer would be, it could be better. And here's the great news. It can be better. It can be better. This morning, if you sit here thinking to yourself, my prayer life could be better, the great news is it can be better. And this morning, as we listen to Jesus teach his first followers how to pray, my hope is that as we listen to Jesus teach his first disciples how to pray, as we listen to him and put into action what he says, all of our prayer lives, each and every one of them, may grow and flourish and develop. So what does Jesus teach his disciples about how to pray? We're going to get straight into this this morning. There's four things he teaches them, and we're going to get straight into the first one. The first thing that he teaches his followers is that they need to be intentional about prayer. They need to be intentional about making a time and a place in their lives for prayer. Jesus knows what we're like as humans. What are we like as humans? We have brilliant intentions about doing things, but the reality is, unless we plan to do them, they don't get done. January time comes. And what happens in January? Thousands of people decide they're going to join the gym. I don't want to have a show of hands, but my guess is that some of you have done that. January comes, I'm going to get fit this year, I'm going to join the gym, and I'm going to get fit. And it's a brilliant intention. The intention is to get fit, and they're going to do something about it. They're going to join the gym, and they're going to go to the gym. And by the end of February, they're going to have a six-pack and be able to run a marathon, and they're going to be fit as a fiddle. But you know what people don't do? And this is their downfall. They don't think about when they're going to go to the gym. They don't have a look at their life and figure out when they're actually going to be able to go. They don't sit down and look at their lifestyle and think, when can I actually attend the gym? They don't schedule it. They don't put it in their diary. They don't cut something else out so that they can go. And so what happens is that at the end of the January, they paid 45 quid for the gym and they've been maybe once or twice. Great intentions to get fit, but they don't actually make a plan to do it. And this can be the way it is with prayer. We can want to be better in prayer. We can want to pray more. We can want to pray for certain things. We can want to have a great prayer life. But yet we don't actually schedule in a time and a place for prayer. And yet this was something it seems that Jesus expected his disciples to do. He expected them, it seems, to be intentional about praying. Have a look at verse 6. Look how intentional what he says that he is. He says, when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. When you pray, says, go into your room. Be intentional about it. Stop what you're doing. Stop where you are and go into your room to pray. That's an intentional action. That's going off to do something in particular, to go off to pray. Close the door, he says. Two reasons for that. Maybe it's so that they're not distracted by what's going on outside. Or maybe it's, as we found out last week, so that this is in secret. And pray, he says. Be intentional when you go into your room. Go into your room with the purpose of praying. Do you see it there? He says to his disciples, you need to be intentional about this. If you're going to pray like I want you to pray, you need to be intentional about praying. 
And what's lovely about Jesus is he practices what he preaches. This is what I love about Jesus. He never tells people to do something that he's not doing. Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, he's always doing this himself. Here's a few verses on the screen where you can see it. Matthew 14. After he'd sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Do you see what he does? He goes up onto the mountainside. He goes to his place of prayer. He gets alone and he's there to pray to the Father. Mark 6, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Do you see it again? He intentionally leaves what he's doing, goes to the mountain, and he prays. Luke 6, it was at this time he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Again, he left the people behind, he went to his place of prayer, and he prayed intentionally. Mark 1, early in the morning while it was still dark, he set his alarm early that day, he got up, He left the house. He went to a secluded place. It was intentional, and he was praying there. Luke 5, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus was someone who had a place he went to pray, and Jesus was someone, it seems, at regular times of the day, before the day had begun or once the working day was over, went off by himself to pray to the Father. And maybe this morning, you want to have a better prayer life. Maybe this morning, you want to have more time to talk with God. Well, the first step, or maybe the step, the only step you need to take is to be intentional about it. Have a look at your schedule for the week. Pencil in a time to go and pray. Pencil in a place to go and pray. And then stick to that plan. Maybe it'll be in your bedroom before you go out of the room for the day. Maybe at lunchtime you'll take a walk from the office and you'll go for a walk and you'll pray during that walk. But whenever it is, schedule in a time and a place to pray. Be intentional about your praying. I think that's probably one of the easiest things we can do to develop our prayer lives. Not just kind of hope it happens. Not just kind of hope we might get around to praying sometime. But to intentionally make it part of our lives. So that's the first thing. Make time and space for prayer. The second thing that Jesus does is that he tells his disciples that they have to recognize something. And I think as he's hoping that, as he he explains this, I think he's hoping they they become more happy about praying, that they feel more comfortable about it. And what does he want them to know? He wants them to know that because they're God's children, they have the ear of God. Let me repeat that. He wants them to know that because they're God's children, They have the ear of God. If you took a flight this morning from Aldergrove and you went out Washington and you went outside the White House and you said, listen, it's St. Patrick's Day. I'm from Northern Ireland, which is on the island of Ireland. Can you let me in to speak to the president? They'd look at you funny, wouldn't they? And they'd say, not a chance. But you're persistent, and so maybe you'd stand there all day and say, but listen, let me in, go on, let me in. Maybe you'd be like that person who just goes on and on and on, hoping to get in to get the president's ear. How many hours do you think you'd stand there before they let you in? You'd stand forever, wouldn't you? You could stand there till you're blue in the face, hoping to get in to speak to President Trump on St. Patrick's Day, but you're never going to get the ear of the president. You're never going to get in. 
He's never going to listen to whatever it is you want to say to him. But if you're the president's son, if you're the president's son, do you see the access you have? Can you see that picture? John F. Kennedy, President of the United States of America. If we wanted to speak to him, it would have been impossible. But look where his son is, right under the desk. His son has his father's ear, even though he is the most powerful man on the planet. And folks, as Christians, we have the ear of God, and it's because we're Christians we've got it. It's because we're children of God. It's not because of some sort of method of prayer. It's not because we say the right words. It's not because we're eloquent in our speech. We have the ear of God because we are children of God. And this was so different to the pagans. If you were not a Christian, if you were a pagan, do you know what you used to do? You used to have to try to get God to listen to you. You used to have to try to beg God just to hear your words. And you'd, you'd be like the man outside trying to get into the White House. You'd have to plead with him and plead with him and plead with him to try to get your God to listen. And that's why Jesus says in verse 7, that's why he says to them, don't go on like the pagans do. Don't ramble on like they do, hoping that they'll be heard because of their many words. You don't need to do that, Jesus says, because you have got the ear of the Father. There's a really good example of this in the Bible, an example of what the pagans had to do to get their God to listen. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18. You don't need to turn there. But let me tell you what was happening. There was a king ruling Israel, and his name was Ahab. And you know what the king's job was? The king's job was to encourage the people to worship God. But you know what Ahab did? Ahab started to worship a false god, a god called Baal. And God sent Elijah the prophet to Ahab. And Elijah said, Ahab, this is all wrong. You're meant to worship the one true God, not this false God. And he said, I tell you what, let's set up a competition. What I want you to do, Ahab, is I want you to get to all the prophets of Baal, all the men who follow Baal, all the prophets, and I want you to set them over on that side of the room. And I'm going to stand over here. It's like a, a boxing match. They're, they're on Mount Carmel. And so they do that. You have all the prophets of this false God over there, and you've got Elijah on his own over here. And Elijah says, what I want you to do, I want you to set up an altar with a bull on top, and I want you to pray to your God that he'll send fire down to consume the bull. And so they do. And they start calling out to this false God. Have a look at what it says. I've put it on the screen so you can see it. Look at the top. Look at there. It says, then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. Do you see what they're doing? From morning till noon, three hours, they're calling out, they're shouting to their God, repeating over and over the same thing, answer us, answer us, answer us. They're pleading with their God to answer them for three hours, and he doesn't. And Elijah, well, he's got a wee bit of a wicked sense of humor because he kind of taunts them a little bit. Look what he says to them. Then Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's busy or, or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and you have to wake him up. 
So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying, their frantic speaking, until the time of evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. The pagans had to plead with their God. They had to go through this sort of ritual to try to get him to listen, slashing themselves and all of this sort of stuff. But of course, he wasn't going to hear because he was a false God. But Elijah, what does he do? He prays once and immediately God responds. He says one sentence and God listens and responds. And folks, this is what Jesus is getting at. As his people, we don't have to beg God to listen to us. We don't have to go through some ritual that will get God to hear us. We don't have to say specific words like they're trigger words that will make God listen to us. No, folks, as children of God, we have the ear of God. And maybe you're here this morning and and you struggle in your prayer life because you think you have to say the right words or you think there's some ritual you have to go through to get God to listen to you. That's not the case. You don't have to get up before dawn and get on your knees and have no coffee and, and say some magical prayer to get God to hear you. That's not the way it works. Because you're a child of God, you have the ear of God. So I want to encourage you in that. Prayer really is simple. Because you're a child of God, you've got his ear. When you speak to him, he'll listen to you. A third thing, though, that we see is that we're to talk to God as our father. We're to talk to God as our father. Look at the start of Jesus starting to teach his disciples what to say. Have a look there. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. It's amazing, isn't it? God is massive. God is beyond our understanding. God created the whole universe with a word. He's huge. He's heavenly. He's divine. He's just too big for us to understand. And yet, what does Jesus say? He says, when you talk to him, call him father. Talk to him as a child speaks to their dad. Think about a child speaking to their dad. They don't need to impress him. They don't need to impress him with their words. If a child speaks to his dad, it doesn't matter what the child is saying. He doesn't have fancy words. The father just listens to him. His words may not be able to be understood by anybody else, but the father understands what he's saying. And this morning, you can talk to God as your father, just saying normal words, normal things. And even if you think other people might not understand your prayer, it doesn't matter. The father will. Talk to him as father. What else about fathers? Fathers are glad to hear their children speak. Fathers are glad when their children speak to them. This morning, if you think that God, I don't know, might shun you or not want to hear your prayers, that's nonsense. He will long, he loves to hear you speak to him. Also, something that's lovely about children speaking to their dads is they ask for anything they want. They ask for anything they want. They wake up at six o'clock in the morning and do you know what children say? Can I have some ice cream? They ask for whatever they want. 
And you know what's good though? The Father gives them what they need. The Father gives them what is best. This morning, if you're here and you struggle to pray because you just don't know, can I ask God for that? Can I say that to God? The answer is you can ask for it and you can say whatever you like because you're the child. And the good news is that God will give you what you need and what is best. You can say what you want to God. You can ask him for whatever you like. And like a father, you can trust him to give you what is best and what you need. Children can speak to their fathers freely, warmly, normally, without fear, and with assurance that the father loves them. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if you, if you struggle to pray because you, you feel like God is unapproachable or you feel like you don't have the right words or, or you're worried about what he will think, I want to encourage you, speak to him as your heavenly father, the one who loves you and is glad to hear from you. You have his attention. But maybe this morning, really your biggest problem in prayer is you just don't know what to pray. Maybe you get the father thing. Maybe you have no worries talking to God. Maybe you can make time and do make time to speak to him, but maybe your issue this morning is you just don't know what to pray. Well, what do we learn from Jesus? We learn that to pray, sometimes it's helpful to use a structure. To use a structure to guide us in our praying. In the Bible, do you know how many prayers there are? There are 650 prayers recorded for us. 650 prayers that God in his wisdom has decided to put in the Bible for us. And the reason he's decided to put them in the Bible for us, certainly one of the reasons is that we learn how to pray by looking at these prayers. So there are lots of prayers we can learn from. There are lots of prayers that we can look at and learn how to pray from. There are prayers of adoration, prayers that are telling God how great he is. There are prayers of confession, telling God our sin and what we're struggling with and our failures, asking for forgiveness. There are prayers of thanksgiving, asking God, telling God how thankful we are for things. There are prayers where we pray for other people like we did for the people in Christchurch. There are prayers when we pray for ourselves. If we were to look at the Bible, we see all sorts of prayers that might help give us a structure for our prayers. But here in Matthew 6, we see Jesus give his followers a structure to follow. And maybe this structure would help you. Maybe this morning, if you don't know what to pray, maybe this morning you could follow the structure that Jesus gives his followers here in Matthew 6. So let's have a look at it. And it's a very famous prayer, and we're not going to go into it in depth because we would be here all morning. In fact, we could have another sermon on it if we wanted, but let's have a look and see what Jesus says we could pray for. There, there are five things he tells us to pray for. The first thing is God's honor. Look at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed, it's like the word holy. Let your name be set apart. Let your name be special. And the name is not talking about God's name, it's talking about God as a person. Jesus says, when you pray, pray for God to be honored. Pray for him to be set apart. Pray for him to be seen as special. It's interesting, isn't it? God has given life to all people. God has given life to all people. God has given good things to all people. 
but yet he's not honored by everyone. He's not recognized by everyone. He's not worshipped by everyone. In some countries, they worship false gods. In some places like ours, many people worship no God. And so what does Jesus say to pray? He says, pray that God would be honored in this world. Pray that his name would be special and set apart and seen as holy. And we can pray that for ourselves, can't we? We can pray that for ourselves, that God would be honored in our lives. The second thing Jesus says we can pray for is God's rule. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. More than any other time in history, I think, since Jesus came, we live in a society where God is being shut out. God's rule, we do not want it. In fact, we don't want to live under anybody's rule. We want to do things our way. We all want a society where there are no rules and boundaries anymore. And it's no wonder then that the world is going into a state of chaos. But Jesus says, when you pray, pray for God's will to be done on earth as in heaven. Pray that his rule would be on earth. Pray that people would recognize how good his rules are and live under them. And we can pray that for ourselves, can't we? That we too would live under his rule. What else can we pray for? Jesus says, pray for God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Today, we do our weekly shop, don't we? anyone still do the big Friday shop? You go down to Tesco's and you fill the trolley and you've got your shopping for the weekend. Well, in the ancient world, people didn't live like that. They lived day to day. They lived off the land and, and they needed food for every single day. And so Jesus says, pray for your daily bread. And this is what we're to pray to. We're to pray that God provide what we need on a day-to-day basis to pray for him to provide for us what we need. What else can we pray? Jesus says, pray for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. That's another thing we can pray for and need to pray for because we sin every day. And the last thing, pray for God's leading and his protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus was tempted when he walked the earth. We will be tempted as Christians to to sin against God, to go our way, not his. And so Jesus says, pray for protection. Pray for protection as the evil one tries to tempt us to fail. Use a structure if it's going to help you. Folks, I know my prayer life could be better. My guess is your prayer life could be better too. And so I want to encourage you to do these things that Jesus is encouraging us to do. I want to encourage you to schedule time for prayer. I want to encourage you to remember that you have the ear of God because you're a child of God. I want to encourage you to recognize that you've got God's attention right from the start and you're to speak to him as the child speaks to their father. And I want to encourage you to use a structure to help you to pray if you don't know what to pray. Now this morning, if you're starting to pray, if let's say you're in the first category and you've never really prayed before ever, then first of all, repent of your prayerlessness. Tell God that you're going to start praying. Do make a plan that's going to fit with your life. Maybe plan to pray once or twice a week and don't try to do two hours. Maybe try to do five minutes or ten minutes. Make a realistic plan 
to schedule prayer into your life. Use a structure that you can use. Maybe use the Lord's Prayer or use something called Acts. Maybe adore God, confess your sin, pray for other people, thank God. And this is an important one. Whatever pattern you try to set, try to keep it for four to six weeks. Because it's only once you start that pattern and keep it going, you'll continue it. And the last one's also important. Tell somebody. If you're going to start a journey of prayer, tell somebody so they can ask you how it's going. But maybe you're here this morning and you have a prayer life. But maybe you just want it to be better. Maybe you've got a a regular habit of prayer, but you'd like it to be better. Here's some things I suggest you do. Extend the time you spend praying. Right now, if you pray for 10 minutes, extend it to 15. Extend it to 20. Give a little bit more time. That's one way you can do it. A second thing you can do is extend your prayer list. Extend who you pray for. Extend what you pray for. Add some more things to pray for into your life. Another thing you can do is decide that you're going to add another slot for prayer into your life. Maybe decide to pray on a Tuesday afternoon that you don't do already and pray for something in particular. If you're looking for something, pray for this church. Pray for our witness. Pray for your minister. Pray for your elders. Pray for the youth work. Pray for the children's work. Pray for this place. Put in a new slot with a new focus. And the last thing you maybe do is if you find yourself stale in prayer, is just freshen things up. Write out your prayers for a change. Do something different. Pray with somebody for a change now and again. Meet up with somebody and pray with them. Write down what you're praying for so that you can see the answers further down the line. Maybe change your position whenever you pray. I know that sounds weird, but in the Bible, people prayed in all sorts of positions. They kneeled, they stood, they lay face down. And maybe this morning, if you're struggling with a staleness in prayer, sometimes changing position can be something that can help you. But freshen it up. But if nothing else, and really the only aim of this sermon is simply to encourage you to pray. Whatever you do this morning, Whatever you do when you leave these doors, you can forget everything I've said if you want. But the challenge that Jesus is giving us is to pray. I think the most important word in all of that passage is this word, when. Jesus says, when you pray. And I want to encourage you this morning to be people who pray, people who talk to God, people who have that relationship with him. Let me know how you get on. But let's pray as we prepare to leave. (coughs) Our Father, we know that prayer is so, so simple. It's just talking to you. And yet from our experience, we know that it can be deeply, deeply difficult. Lord, I pray for each of us this morning that you would encourage us to be people of prayer. But more than that, I pray that you would help us to practically put things in our lives that will help us to develop in our prayers. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to talk to you. Thank you that you hear us. Help us as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.